Welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency Department at Derby. I'm your host today, Dr Ian Lewis, one of the consultants here, and I'm joined, I'm very happy to be joined by one of my colleagues, Dr Vanessa Cox. Hello. Hello, Vanessa, and you're a general paediatrician with an interest in young people. Adolescent health, indeed. The youth, the as youth I believe of today. the kids call it. Okay. Yes. So, uh, the first question I had, please tell me I'm not alone in that, in my ED, very happy to chat to babies, very happy to chat to toddlers, school age kids, fantastic, lovely, teenagers, anxiety. Oh. It's not just me, is it? No, absolutely. It is not just you. Good. They, um, so young people, 10 to 19, are a tricky group. 10 to 25, if you want to go with the young adult mm. definition of the WHO. Um, they're a tricky group for healthcare professionals to engage with. Engage with. Traditionally, you've got the image of Kevin the teenager, sulky, no eye contact, their uh, non-verbal communication is just shocking. Their verbal communication, they have such a limited vocab, um, about 12,000 words or so um, in early teenage years, which is hardly anything, actually. Um, So they really struggle to express themselves. I think we come at this with um, our prejudices, difficult attitude towards them, you know, thinking that every teenager is the same. They're all going to be as grumpy, all going to struggle to talk to me. Um, and therefore, quite commonly, we hear from young people that they don't feel respected or listened to or like their concerns are taken seriously. Factored into that, of course, is the fact that we're always doing triadic consultations in paediatrics when their carer, whoever that may be, or whoever they bring to their consultation, that might be a partner or a friend or just somebody they trust locally, um, they're also wanting to be part of a conversation with the healthcare professional, but these young people need time on their own as well. Yeah. They need to be given a space to um, be heard, to be listened to, to have a confidential conversation with a medic or a nurse or what have you, and um, clearly having a, an agreement about what to feed back with the carers or to the carers after that confidential conversation is difficult. And clearly takes loads of time, which we don't have. Yeah. And it's, it often it's that sort of, as you say, I love the word triadic. I'm going to use that some more. Yeah. A three-way conversation yeah. of who, you know, and you, you, you know, you occasionally get the slightly overbearing parent who want to answer all the questions and you think, I'm losing here. Yeah. So... Uh, I think you're absolutely right that that we often go in with a bit of a prejudice of, oh, this is going to be a difficult consultation anyway, and you you automatically make it a difficult consultation sometimes. So one of the things that people have used that we're going to talk about today is a structured approach to chatting to people, and that is... The heads assessment. So So, I can never remember what these all stand for. It's really easy. Always S, lots of S's and there D's. There are a few and, S's. So, okay. so a HEADS framework is something um, that I'll commonly use when I've um, had a conversation with a young person, focusing on them and then saying, you know, we will have some time on our own later. It's not a framework that you can have to stick to rigidly, okay? So um, the areas of the HEADS assessment have um, capital letters at the start, so H for home, E for education, A for activities and hobbies they may have, D for drugs, alcohol and um, tobacco. Um, and then slightly more difficult topics. So um, sex and relationships follows. S next is for self-harm and suicidal ideation, etc. And then the last one is um, formally labelled as safety. Um, that 
I'll come on to that might be a difficult one to address, but sometimes when you're talking about these things with young people and taking a proper psychosocial history, um, you'll come across issues where clearly this young person is feeling vulnerable in some situations, and often I ask them outright, this might be a difficult question, but do you feel safe in your relationship? Do you feel safe at home? Do you feel safe when you're online gaming and all these things? Um, and actually more recently, not in the original Heads framework, but um, another S, so four S's now, I think a lot about screen time um, okay. and young people on social media. So my S, my four S's at the end. Um, so this is, the framework is designed to be, you know, a framework. It's not got to be stuck too rigidly. I often don't, don't get through all those topics with a young person in each consultation, but it's a way into um, some perhaps less threatening topics for the young person, still relevant to their healthcare and explaining mm. why relevance to healthcare um, of all those things um, is also important, obviously. But perhaps when you've identified that home is actually quite a secure place to them, home might be a good place to start and say, you know, who lives at home with you? Um, do you share your own, do you share your bedroom? You've got your own room. Who do you talk to? Who else is around? When you're worried, who do you go to? And that, for most young people, is a fairly secure way into things. Um, education you know all young people should be in educational training so um, that also shouldn't be too threatening but you get a bit of a vibe from them back as to um, is this a difficult topic and you can steer things to what do they actually enjoy focus on what they enjoy what they're good at and what their plans are long term under activities um, and that rapport building really then lets you have a conversation again about confidentiality so I always do that at the start of the consultation I'll come on to that in a bit um, and then reiterating about confidentiality, what goes on in this room is between you and I. And I might ask some more difficult questions here. You don't have to answer them. Okay. I'm asking because I think STIs are relevant to your abdominal pain or I need to make sure you're not pregnant or that kind of thing. But just simply asking, um, are you seeing anyone at the moment? Um, you in a relationship? Have you had thought about having sex? Are your friends having sex? Are you having sex with this person? Do you feel coerced into that? When did you last have sex? When was your period? Mm. Any risk of STIs? So from the heads framework, you sort of get these topics, but the questions can be quite tricky if you're suddenly launching at them. These kind of give you a way in. They normalise these teenage behaviours, and then they lead you into the detail that you definitely need to gather as a healthcare professional. Um, And the same with self-harm and suicidality. So if you've got somebody with chronic abdominal pain, I keep saying abdominal pain because it's so common, Someone with chronic abdominal pain, you might say, you know, lots of young people we see with chronic pain start getting really low about it and start disengaging with their friends and not enjoying activities and having poor sleep. And then that leads you on to, is your mood really low? Do you feel teary a lot of the time? Um, Have you ever had any thoughts around that, around ending your life at all? And and then you can get into really difficult questions like, do you have a plan? Mm -hmm. Have you planned anything? Have you written a note? Are you stashing tablets? And you get there. To those challenging, um, those challenging questions, and from experience, for me it works. You know, and for loads of trainees coming through, it works. Um, actually, young people, when they are given some respect and some time, do usually open up. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. Yeah. I think the first time I was kind of introduced to it was when I was doing an oncology job, mm. and the professor who particularly looked after sort of the, the teenagers and young people actually said we should always do a head assessment. Definitely. For all these people, and you think, well, hang on, what's that got to do with their oncology? Yeah. But actually, it's incredibly relevant. Yeah. The impact um, on life of a diagnosis like that, can you imagine? And 
the time in hospital and who are they going to talk to when they're sad. A bit like those Macmillan adverts out at the moment when a sister with cancer is still a sister, mm. still getting married, still wants to enjoy her wedding day and a dad with cancer is still a dad. These young people have got sometimes long-term conditions but acknowledging the impact on every area of life is really important and that area of life and their alcohol might be affecting their diabetes control. So it works both ways and it's really relevant for, for us to do as healthcare professionals if we're going to give holistic care to these young people. How do you go about sort of introducing this framework? Do you sort of say, I'm going to ask you a standard set of questions I'd ask everybody? Because <laughs> yeah. that makes it sort of seem almost quite artificial. Robotic, yeah. sorry, I'm going through a tick box of things. And I think that's the danger, isn't it, that you can say, right, here's a list of questions I ask everybody. Tick, tick, tick. It yeah, kind definitely. of feels very that, unpersonal. That's not how I do it at all. Okay. Um, I individualise it, as I say, for each in person. In my consultations, so um, I always go out to the waiting room, meet the young person, greet them, tell them who I am and say, usually I get um, young people to come in with mum or dad or carer first of all and then we have some time later in consultation when it's just you and I having more of a chat in depth about your health. Um, and just normalising that makes it easier from the start to then kick out mum and dad later. Mm. Um, I, and do you um, ever get any resistance to that from parents? Um, not generally. Okay. No, when it's normalised, it's easier in teenage clinic when the focus is on young people's health we have youth workers around and there's signposting to different agencies locally um for different support for teenagers really Mm -hmm. so it's easier in that context but in general pediatrics on the ward usually i take them to a quiet place away and just say i'm going to borrow you for 10 minutes and then we'll get mum in or whatever there isn't resistance you know you know you just have to give them the option um and then i just keep an open mind so we do our non-medical chat at the beginning, don't we, with everybody we meet, like, how's the weather, what music do you like, you know, get into that sort of thing, and then you move on to, so you're here because. Um, And really, I just focus on, first of all, the physical health, and say, I'm going to ask a few more questions um, around your day-to-day life and um, how you might be coping with the the problems that you're having. So I keep it fairly vague, but in my mind... The other bit is I'm trying not to write everything. My memory is shocking. (laughs) So um, my memory is shocking, and I do find myself jotting down some notes, but of course that creates a barrier Mm -hmm. and um, decreases rapport. So um, in my mind, I'm trying to keep the heads framework in mind and stick things in each box as I go through it, but I'm not formally ticking through H, right, we've done H, right, let's move up. You know, that's false. It doesn't create good rapport. It um, makes them to be just another number a bit Mm -hmm. and doesn't really individualise the approach and show... um, uh, respect really for each person and I guess that comes with experience of doing lots of, of things yeah, you know, yeah this so. comes with practice definitely yeah. and what kind of obviously in the teenage clinics it's a bit different but mm-hmm. what sort of age would you use that framework from you sort of said 10, 10. Plus. Yeah, yeah, 10 so. plus. Um, and I wouldn't routinely see all 10 year olds on their own but mm. I would if I've got somebody coming repeatedly for their chronic problem or those in diabetes clinic I know um they normalise from about that age onwards that people would be given, young people would be given some time in clinic on their own from now on. Yeah. yeah? And that should be part of smooth transition um, planning, helping them to make um, decisions about their healthcare themselves, increasing their independence and autonomy, empowering them really to manage their condition, whatever that may be, um, and na- navigate healthcare like appointments, people, clinics, who they've got to meet, what admin they've got to do. Um, so, yeah, that's how I approach it. And would you obviously that that's kind of in a clinic environment? Mm-hmm. Is that still on the ward? If you're doing a post tape ward round, would you still yeah, apply would, that framework? Yeah, yeah. I always um, either myself or um, a colleague um, 
usually completes a heads assessment, usually a full one actually, during okay. the course of an inpatient stay. Um, not just for those young people who've come with social or mental health problems, but for most young people who've ended up on a teenage, uh, who've ended up in hospital, we should know their, their context. Um, so I do encourage it, I do it myself, I take them off. It takes 10, 15 minutes mm. if, you, if you commit to it and get it done and get somewhere quiet. So in ED, should I be doing these? I, I don't see why not, yeah. um, certainly the first few aspects, because actually when you're asking about home education activities and drugs, you get a bit of a vibe, is there anything else going on? Mm. And that can lead you to some few more useful questions, safeguarding-wise. Um, I would, yeah. yeah, yeah, as part of a normal mental, physical health, holistic approach to each each person. Yeah, you're probably right. You are right. <laughs> oh, I, feel bad. I acknowledge that it's tricky. Yeah, but I guess particularly for sort of medically, particularly for medically unexplained, yeah. you know, there's clearly a, a need to sort of be delving slightly deeper. That that maybe we are not quite as good as we should be. I, I would um, tend to disagree with that. I see commonly, um, certainly, in trainees coming through paediatrics mm. are doing heads assessments. Even just a little summary for me it gives me a little hook to hang something on. Sometimes up here on the ward. Um, I think, actually, colleagues are really good at thinking, OK, this is probably medically unexplained and exploring a bit more with families, even in the ED, yeah. um, from, from referrals that I've seen up to the ward and into clinic. So okay. I'm pleased about that. Well, that's, that's, OK, good. Glad to be wrong. <laughs> I often am. Um, and how would you approach the question, the, the sort of, if you say, well, I'm going to ask a few things, and the young person says, that's fine, but you can't tell anybody else. You can't disclose this to anybody. Yeah, How would you approach so that comment? That's a difficult one. So usually at the start, I preempt that by saying my um, confidentiality phrase. So to each young person, when they're on their own, I say, "You you must have heard the word confidentiality," um, and I just want to explain what it means to me, so that you understand where we are at the start of the consultation. So for me, it means a private chat between a doctor and a young person. Um, that goes no further than this room, even if I'm your own mother's GP or whatever, mm. um, and reassure them to that extent. I also explain to them the caveats to that are, if I'm worried you're hurting yourself or if you're hurting anybody else or anyone's at risk of harm, I, of course, have to share that with people, but we'll discuss that through who those people are, what I'll be saying, mm. and why I'm doing that, so that you know clearly what, what the reasons are for that. Because we see lots of young people who are at risk themselves, yeah. don't we, um, and others, um, and... And just normalising that and saying this is where we're at at the start, just preempts that. I think. And do you, I mean, do most people sort of respond to that? Are they, or have you ever you encountered many situations where they go, right? I'm not telling you anything. No. So they might do, yeah, mm. yeah. And um, just having an open mind about that, you know, not every young person opens up their soul to us. No, you quite. Know? Sometimes people are going to be really resistant to help, and you just need to keep sticking by them. This is why we're here. We are listening. If you want to chat, we're around. And a lot of our nurses are great at that here. Mm. Um, these conversations take time. And um, there's a phrase that we use in motivational interviewing that I'd suggest people read about, which is about um, encouraging young people to make changes that we want to impose, but we need to get them on board with. Mm. So um, for further reading, be useful. But there's a phrase called rolling with rolling with resistance. Okay. Um, and I quite commonly have that in the back of my mind, as in 
just this is not the time for this young person or I've just lost it. You're reading their body language and you're thinking, oh, God, I've just I've completely lost yeah. rapport. This has all gone wrong. And just to acknowledge that. Just go, yeah, we've been chatting for ages. You're probably bored out of your tree. Just go with it and say, we're not going to get anywhere today. I'll come back later or we'll meet again or what yeah. have you. And you, you sort of t- touched on sort of youth workers and the nurses that you work with. Do they tend to use this? framework or do they have a separate so youth workers work very differently a mm. uh, completely different approach really not um, a medical approach or a nursing approach so um, we've got a fantastic team here we've got um, three youth workers now we've got our own youth forum um, and you know they do magic really with getting young people with poor self-esteem or um, difficult engaging with even their own peers to to come along and, and come out of their shell so they have a whole load of training and stuff that okay. we don't um, I've not heard of them using this, but there are loads of resources out there for um, people to look at. So the Me First um, organisation down in Southampton does loads of um, things like a heads topic selector. So you don't even have to ask the young person what they want to talk about okay. today. They can come and say, this bit I'm all right with. I'm happy about managing my condition and smoking and alcohol, but I'm really struggling around contraception with epilepsy or something. So um, just simple stuff they can fill in in the waiting room. Um, simple stuff about... Am I being listened to? What are my choices here? Is really what they want to know. Mm. Um, and so me first, I would recommend um, for that side of things. Um, the Adolescent Health Project um, on e-learning for health has loads of training on um, consultation with young people, different health problems they may have. Um, I can't recommend that highly enough okay. to people. It's easy. You can log in for free um, with just a normal um, email address and you can access the learning ongoing okay. so great modules to do on there and what's that again just so, so that is um adolescent health project which is on e-learning okay. for health the nhs e-learning for health um so loads of ideas on there about um communication um with teenagers and then there are other things that our royal college of pediatrics has started introducing um around the rcpch and, and us yeah. yeah so um that's the youth participation team loads of resources on their section of the website including things like emoji cards so okay. you know you just you have your set of emoji cards and some young person's just not getting anything you're not getting anything back they're not giving anything just say right you're just feeling frustrated and they can pick out which emoji they're feeling. like simple like okay. really simple stuff okay yeah. okay <laughs> fine okay so if you uh, it sounds like there's stuff there, yeah. but we've got to access that. We've got yeah. to be open to access that. Because yeah. um, obviously, that better engagement, better outcomes. Definitely. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah, and that's what young people want. They want to feel listened to. They want to be empowered about their conditions. It will improve their diabetic control. Um, decent transition will mean that they don't fall off the ladder in DKA mm. at the age of 18 when they go off to university. Um, there's a lot of work still to be done, but really, um, yeah, better patient outcomes, better satisfaction personally as a doctor to have actually made a difference and felt like that young person was a human being and valued and I get a lot from that. Okay, so if you had sort of a couple of top tips or two or three top tips <laughs> for, for us, say maybe specifically in the ED where time is yes. short and it's not necessarily the best environment, yeah. what, what advice would you give so to us? The top one is get the carer out of the room. Okay. Yeah, so you're not going to find out if they're pregnant or they've got chlamydia from having mum and yeah. dad in there. Um, second is keep an open mind, keep your poker face on and have a non-judgmental attitude to young people. Whatever their presentation, think making sure things aren't medical, even if they appear like a mental health problem, for yeah. instance. So really open mind and non-judgmental. Um, 
try not to get flunked by things, but also try not to be too cool. Don't try to be down with the young people and understand their language. Like, it's a whole new world. I can't even remember being a teenager. Like, it is a blur. And they're using words that I don't understand. Just say, I don't know what that means. Okay. You know, there's no, there's no harm. You're not losing face. That's always my greatest fear that I will come across as, God, that's so weird. That creepy old man Do you is... Think? Yeah. yeah. I just, I'm over that. I just, <laughs> I just say, I'm sorry, I don't know what that means. Can you fill okay. me in? Are you accepting your non-coolness? To I say, am not yes. cool, yeah. <laughs> and they certainly won't think I'm cool. <laughs> so, okay, fine. That's Because I that's one thing I worry about. What a pillock. Okay, so yeah. I've got to accept my... Yeah, just say, I'm not a teenager. I don't actually know what you're saying. Okay. You no, know, just saying, sorry. Can you just explain that in another way? Yes. And, so. and equally, try not to use our medical jargon, because of course they don't yeah. understand it. We should use that for all patients, shouldn't we? But, yeah, um, yeah top tips. Perfect. That's great. That's really helpful. And I, I think a lot of people listening to this will find that really useful as well. Thank you so much for your time, Vanessa. I really appreciate it. Cheers. No Thank you. Thank you.